Exciting episode of the Fire and Water Podcast, the official podcast of AquamanShrine.net and FirestormFan.com. I'm one of your hosts, the Airdy Mobile Shag from Firestorm Fan. Along with me, as always, is my co-host, the perforating Rob Kelly from Aquaman Shrine. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. It's nice to uh, be recording with you again uh, for to give everybody a little bit behind the scenes between you know staggering episodes and recording back shows and doing all sorts of things to accommodate our schedule. This is the first time Shag and I have recorded together in five and a half months, so it's, it's great. Yeah, uh, most of the other stuff was just sliced together. Even that fake one where we were supposedly together in Devon. That's right. <laughs> yep. Um, by the way, I called you perforating for a reason. I'm not sure if you're aware, but like. All the Aquaman covers this month are very stabby. They're, they're, <laughs> they really are. So it just kind of made me uh, think of that. So. I didn't really think about that, but now that I'm looking at them, yes, I, I see yep. that. It's absolutely true. Well, folks, uh, we've got a pretty cool episode for you today. We have a lot of comic books to talk about. It's a very exciting episode. Um, we're going to be talking about The Fury of Firestorm, The Nuclear Man, classic, number 13. We're going to be talking about The Firestorm Annual, number 2, Firestorm and His Atomic Friends, number 5, <laughs> and then we've got like a, an, a comic, an Aquaman comic or something, right? Uh, I would have bought Firestorm and His Atomic Friends. That, that, that sounds like a great cartoon series. <laughs> I think that's what they're renaming the Flash TV series. I believe actually. so. But, um, okay, all kidding aside, yes, we are covering Aquaman number 33, Aquaman annual number two. Aqu- I'm getting tired of saying this name over and over. Can't you just call him AQ? AQ and the others, number five. Then, on the back end, we'll cover Fury of Firestorm number 13. If, but, we, have, if we have time. If we have time, because there's so much water to talk about. So, um, But in the meantime, folks, let's give a shout-out to our sponsors. Folks, this episode of the Fire & Water Podcast is sponsored in part by InStock Trades, your best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other collected editions, all for up to 42% off, unless they're having a sale, like the one I'm about to tell you about, with free shipping for orders of $50 or more. What do you have, Rob? 
Uh, yeah, I've been uh, had a lot of Charlton comics on the mind lately, which is not mm-hmm. something most people ever say. Uh, that's partly because there's a new series out called Charlton Arrow, which is a mm-hmm. self-published venture, which is basically just a bunch of old Charlton veterans getting together to publish their own anthology comic of new stories. And it's got uh, work, but there's two issues out. You have to buy them directly from the publisher, but they've got work from people like Paul Kupperberg, John Byrne, Joe Staten, Roger McKenzie, Steve Skeets. I mean, like all these veterans, you know, and it's, I have both issues. They're really fun. So I thought, would it be kind of fun to find a Charlton book on uh, In Stock Trades? That's not as easy as it sounds. But I, <laughs> a lot of that stuff is out of copyright and, you know, it can't be collected. And the stuff that can be collected, DC owns, you know, yep. all the heroes. But I did find this. this. This book is awesome. This is called Unauthorized Tarzan. Now listen to this description. This is fantastic. A class, classic, classic run of Tarzan comics reprinted for the first time. In the 1960s, believing Tarzan to have fallen into the public domain, Charlton Comics enlisted Joe Gill and Sam Glansman to create a new comics version of The Lord of the Jungle. <laughs> believing? They just went ahead and did it. Only because <laughs> nobody had phones out there in Derby, Connecticut. Only, right. f- only four issues were produced before Charlton was forced to end the series, and much of the original print runs were destroyed. This book collects Charlton's Jungle Tales of Tarzan 1 through 4. Writer Joe Gill, artist Sam Glansman, Bill Montez, and Ernie Bosch. Uh, page count is 112. It's a hardcover. The normal price is $29.99. The in-stock trade price is $16.49. That's 45% off. The cover is beautiful, and it's got a gorilla biting Tarzan in the shoulder. That is, Nothing wrong I, with that. that, no, that looks. That sounds like so much fun just because of the insane backstory behind the making of the book. I, I want to get it just to read like the intro of the, how the series was conceived. <laughs> You know, I'm pretty sure um, Steamboat Willie was over 75 years ago. I think Mickey Mouse is probably in public domain. Why don't you and I go ahead and produce a Mickey Mouse want. comic book? Yeah, Aquaman's 75 in two years. I'm sure we can just do our own Aquaman comics. Let's do it. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. I have, uh, as I normally do, I have Blue Devil on the brain. And so I was tripping my way around the in-stock trade site, and I came across a incredible sale going on. For, they're selling certain trade paperbacks for 65% off. Wow. And that's only while supplies last, and I don't know when the sale runs out. I mean, as of this recording and the date this episode's released, the sale's still going on. So it's up to you to get off your lazy butts and go check this out. But they've got a lot of the Shadow Pack trade paperbacks out there at 65% off. Uh, you can get Volumes 2, 3, and then it's not called Volume 4, but essentially it's, it's Volume 4. This is going to get you, between all three of these, it's going to get you issues um, issue four. And then they jump forward some. Ni- and then basically 19 through 25, you know, all three of those trades would get you. Each one uh, retails, well, the first one, I'll get this right at any time, folks. I promise. The first two retail for $14.99. They're 65% off. You can get them for $5.24 a piece. Wow. That's insane. The third one, which I guess has a little bit more, is retails at $17.99, but you can get it for $6.29. These are written by Bill Willingham and Matt Sturgis. I mean, if you know Fables, you know these guys. You know their stuff's going to be good. It's got Blue Devil. It's got The Demon. It's got Ragman. I mean, Phantom Stranger. Phantom Stranger, yeah. I mean, this is great stuff. So a lot of fun. Highly recommend you pick them up. And heck, it's 65% off. What a bargain. What a steal. So, again, our thanks to InStock Trades, your best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other collected editions, all for up to 42% off or 65 this week with free shipping for orders of $50 or more. Woo! 
Well, Rob, I've got my snorkel, my <laughs> my fins, and my floaties, and I'm ready to dive in. Get that dive into yeah, some Aquaman comic books. Uh, yeah, there's there's a since we recorded the last review episode, there's been a lot of Aquaman <laughs> lately. Um, we're gonna we will go through this super fast because I'm not good at uh, capsizing these things. No pun intended. Uh, anyway, Aquaman 33, which is. What? I gotta say something right as you start Aquaman number thirty-three. The only thing, my, my biggest review of this issue, as you get to it, is clearly Jeff Parker is a cat person. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. Aquaman thirty-three, which is Meet Your Maker by Jeff Parker, Paul Pelletier, Sean Parsons, and Rain Barreto. Before we even get into the story, I just want to mention this cover of Aquaman stabbing Kimura with his trident is my favorite cover Peltier has done for the book yet um i don't know what it is maybe there's like an added level of grit to it or something but there's just something about the intensity of the close-up of aquaman just fighting the chimera that just really appealed to me i think it's a really (laughs) really beautiful cover and like i said i think he's been getting literally better every month every month every month anyway the the book picks up of course with the last issue left off for aquaman's face to face with chimera so him and chimera are fighting back and forth he's using the fish to attack uh, he's, uh, he's using aquaman's own finny friends to attack him Kimura peers into Aquaman's mind, deep, does like a Vulcan mind melt kind of thing. He sees something that's very upsetting, and there's a blinding flash of light, and when Aquaman wakes up, Kimura is gone. He goes back to Atlantis, and there he's reunited with Mira, finally, after like four months of them being apart. Um, A giant earthquake hits Atlantis. Some people believe that it's Aquaman is the cause, like he's there, and that's what's causing the earthquakes. And we hear Volko, who is still in prison, mutter something like, that's exactly what's happening, but nobody believes Volko anymore, of course, because he's a traitor. Uh, Kimura goes back on the hunt for Aquaman. He goes up to Amnesty Bay. He, uh, sh- we, we see that he can change his shape, and he drops to assume a, a more normal uh, appearance, as in a human appearance. He sheds his, like, outer skin in a really disgusting manner possible. It's all kinds it's of, like, gross. Yeah, it's a real very alien like, kind of thing. So he turns into a regular guy, and that way he can walk around Amnesty Bay uh, without not anybody noticing that, uh, who he is. He runs into um, their friend uh, – I forget what the friend's name uh, – well, the cop is Erica, and then the friend is Jen- Jenny, who is walking Salty the Aqua Dog, named by the Aquaman Trine. Thank you very much. Uh, he attacks the two girls. They shoot him. The cop shoots him. It doesn't really work, of course. He's getting ready to kill them all. Then he realizes that Aquaman is in Boston, where he is uh, on a uh, Navy ship visiting Stephen Chin, who got injured in the explosion at uh, the Triton base. Uh, Stephen Chin and Aquaman talk a little bit about why Amnesty, why Amnesty, why Kimura is so connected to Aquaman. Just at that moment, Kimura shows up, smashes one of the Navy officers in the most disgusting manner possible, and attacks Aquaman yet again. And that's the end of the issue. And it says, next, King against King. So, All right, yes. that was very brief. I'm Thank impressed. You. Thank you. Uh, you know, it's I, I, I wish I had something new to say every month, but I don't. Um, uh, in this issue, and especially in the annual, which we'll get to next, I mean, Parker is hitting the Ray Harryhausen thing super hard. I mean, he is just turning Aquaman and, again, when Wonder Woman guest appears in the annual, into like a sci-fi monster book. And he is pulling away from the uh, villains, which I am perfectly happy with. 
I love Black Mana. I love Ocean Master. But you got to give those guys a rest. Yep. Uh, when you only have two villains, basically, to use, <laughs> you've really got to give them a rest. And I mentioned that to Jeff, and Jeff said that that was exactly it. Like, he said he loves those characters, but he just feels as though you got you can't keep using them over and over again. So he's introducing this new villain, this Chimera guy. Uh, and he said it's just a big, giant monster book, and it's just a whole lot of fun. And the characterizations are really good. He's, I think he's really getting a handle on Aquaman, and especially Mira and Tula. Um and Tula is, I think, very impressive, and I really am hoping that she becomes a, you know, after this sort of storyline, um, stays on as a regular with the book. But it's it's just very, very consistent. And sales have been pretty steady. I mean, they've really? gone, yeah, they've gone down a bit after Jeff Johns left, which was natural. But they've stayed consistent for the most part, and I think that's because people are out there and they're really enjoying it. It's a fun book. Um I did. I think I liked the last issue a little bit more. Like the last issue, I think it was my favorite of Jeff's mm-hmm. run. It's not a knock against this one. This one was fine, um, but the last one was just really spectacular to me. This one, it, it, if I had to be, you know, critical, I would say this one felt like the the filler kind of like you know because it starts off with him and Chimera face. Well, I guess Chimera, Chimera wasn't actually there. They were just communicating telepathically, but he was still bat- essentially battling Chimera. And then it ends with him battling Chimera. So it's like almost like it, it was sort of almost a filler issue. Even though some stuff happens, we learn some backstory and everything. I just, you know, you walk away going, boy, he beat up two dogs in this one. Okay. Um, <laughs> he killed one dog and then he knocked Salty around. That's why I say he's a, clearly a cat person. Yeah. So, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dive into a couple of specifics here and there. Like I, I dug how Aquaman's shirt was ripped in the beginning. And rather than just being a rip, like the, the scales are chipping away. I thought that was kind of cool. It just demonstrates that it's, you know, it's armor, essentially, yeah, not yeah. just a T-shirt. So I like that. That's pretty cool. Also, we've been talking for a while about the gloves. You know, Aquaman's got some funky gloves now. On page three, you can really see that, like, I don't know what it is. It's on the third page. You can see Aquaman's glove. It's almost like it, his glove has a cape or something. It's You can see it along the top with the fin. Yeah, it's, it, looks, it looks like a piece that's attached onto it. Right, yeah. It looks like a, I don't know, a Power Ranger thing or something. So I'm... I, they're really going out of their way to make that a distinct piece of his costume. So, I don't know, maybe it'll fire off like a weapon or something. Uh, okay, Dr. Shin being able to speculate so much about the Chimera seemed a little too info dumpish. He's Dr. Exposition. Yes, he, thank you. That's a better way to put it. Yeah, he really is. And it's all like, well, if I had to guess, blar. And it's all like, wow, that, that's pretty amazing. I mean, I realize you were on the base and everything, but still. Let's see what else. Uh, Chimera, the way um, he changes it, reminds me a lot of the character of the movie. Remember this movie Species? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Remember, she would be like a normal-looking person. Well, she was actually super hot. But anyway, she'd be a normal-looking person and then just parts of her would transform. Yep. And that's kind of what's going on here. And it works well. I, it seems a little more, you know, guy, H, H, does it H.G. Geiger? H.R. Geiger. H.R. Geiger than Harry, Harryhausen for me. You know, obviously the, the next one, the annual, is very Harryhausen. Yeah. But it's, uh, it, makes a, it makes a good villain. So he's, he's crazy powerful, though. Does he fly at one point or does he leap when he's leaving? And he realizes Aquaman's in Boston and he takes off. I can't tell whether he's leaping or flying. Uh, I, I mean, I think if you can leap that far, it looks like he's flying to me. It does look like he's, looks like he's flying. Yeah, maybe he's got the, a flying fish power or something. I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, all right, that's all my little nitpicky notes and whatever. But, so, um, overall, it was a good issue. 
Uh, I am looking forward to the conclusion. I hope they don't kill Chimera off. I hope he's the kind of villain they can come back from time to time. Because as we said, Aquaman's Rogue Gallery does need a little bit of a boost. Yep. And um, it's fun stuff. So yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I am looking forward to I hope that they eventually get rid of Stephen Chin. Because, I mean, he does serve, as you just mentioned, a great purpose. Uh, he is the explainer in a lot of things. But it's one of those things where it's like he has been nothing but trouble in Aquaman's life. And at a certain point, I think Aquaman would just be like, I'm done with you. I'm just, well, done. I'm just done with you. Because if you're involved, it's trouble. You know, the so I would love it if Shin just died, just died or something. I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, no, you mentioned you, you mentioned you hope Tula carries on. I I think Tula's already you know a supporting character in the series now. Yeah, I, think I guess she's, so. We're, she's in. Yeah, yeah. You know, she's not going to go away. I don't think Shin's going to go away either. He's been around since I think the first issue, hasn't he? Yeah, or second issue pretty, at least. Yeah, pretty much. So I think they're part of the, for better or for worse, part of the Aquaman family now. Yes. So I, I, I guess I'd like to see Tula become like full on become Aqua Girl. That's probably not going to happen for a while, but I would love I would love to see that. I would love for her to to just be you know. I mean, they explain here why she's being loyal to to you know Aquaman and Mira when she was loyal to Orm, and it's like she basically believes, hey, look, you guys are fighting for peace, and I'm a soldier, and as a soldier, I'm the one who has to fight so the people don't have to, and you want to keep the peace, and so therefore I'm supporting you. But I would, I don't know, I'd like to see her transform out of that, out of the soldier thing to being like a superhero. Now, maybe that's too much or whatever, but um, I would enjoy that. Uh, I don't need to see Aqualad come back. I know there are some Aqualad fans out there. I was never a huge fan of the later versions of the character and stuff. So I'd be perfectly happy if they never do Aqualad. Um, but um, I would love to see Tula be full on Aqua girl. I don't think you're going to see it. No, I think probably she'll not. remain I think you're right. Tula, uh, Tula, the, so- the soldier, I yep. think is, you know, even if she eventually leads the Atlantean army for some reason, she'll still be Tula, the soldier rather yeah. than Aqua girl or even Aqua woman at that point. Yeah. No, I think she would, right. she would have to go to the surface world and become a superhero for her to take on that identity. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad to see Salty survived. I knew you weren't. They, I knew they were going to kill off Salty, but still. You know that I wish he. I wish they hadn't had him kill a dog. Like, yeah, it's. I don't know. It's it's. They do that a lot in movies. Seems like unnecessarily they, cruel. Well, they want to show the bad guy's real is a bad guy, but not cross a line, if you will, and murder a child or, yeah. or a human or whatever. So it's like they don't want to go that far. I mean, on page, um, where is it? Uh, page nine, you know, where he shows up on the beach. Yeah. He shows up on the beach and he kills the dog. Oh, by the way, are you at page nine? Yes. Okay, bottom left hand corner. Just got to say, Tiger Mom. But anyway. So, <laughs> am I wrong? It does. Yeah, it looks a little like Tiger. Yeah, like a Tiger Mom. Anyway, um, it just you know, it he should have killed a human or something. Like killing the dog is just like, oh, it's I don't know, whatever. I'm griping too much. Let's move on. It's good. Okay. It's a good book. Go read it, folks. Ruff, ruff, ruff. Uh, next up, yeah, so next up is Aquaman Annual number two, again by Jeff Parker, busy guy. Uh, this time the art is by, I don't know how you say his name, Ivel Goucher, I'm going to guess, maybe? It's, it's, uh, it's, it's somebody who lost at Scrabble. Yes, uh, Jason Gordner and Wayne Foucher and Nathan Earing does the colors. Now this picks up where Aquaman 29 and 28, 29 left off where, um, those creatures got out of the pit. And then basically escaped, and you the it, giant born the giant born, and it ended with Wonder Woman basically on their trail. So this issue is just a giant team up between Aquaman and Wonder Woman, which I'm totally behind, totally in support of. Um, this is even easier to sort of encapsulate because it's mostly a big fight. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> now, I don't mean that in a pejorative sense. I, it's a lot of fun. But basically, all of the icky creatures that got out have moved over to France and have set themselves up in uh, a town called Carcass- Car- Carcassonne. I don't know how you say that. Easy for you to say. Yeah. And they have set up this thing where supposedly they are shooting a movie and they are luring tourists to this area where they're shooting the ca- shooting movie in this castle, and they're just grabbing the tourists and sucking the life out of them, keeping them as <laughs> captors. Uh, it's it's you know I guess there's something some knock against stupid tourists that like people would just keep walking into this area where nobody seems to, seems to return from. But but that that's basically what they're doing, and that's how they're they're staying alive is they're sucking the life force out of all of these um, American tourists or whatever. Aquaman and Wonder Woman. Are following them, and initially they look. They're they're sort of going undercover. They're walking. They look like a nice couple. Sort of. I mean, they're in their superhero colors, and Wonder Woman has her boots and her bracelets on, and Aquaman has green gloves on. So it's like they're not trying real hard. Wearing an orange button-down polo too. They're not real. They're not trying real hard. At the same time, they're not in their costumes. But anyway, they end up stumbling upon the monsters, and then there is something like twenty pages of a fight of them just beating the crap out of these creatures. And there's a little bit of where Aquaman gets taken over briefly and he starts losing his mind, forgetting where he is. And then it turns into Aquaman and Wonder Woman briefly fighting. But luckily that gets out. They get turned – they get covered in this goo by one of the creatures, which turns them immobile. That uh, Dr. Evans guy, the one that freed them uh, from the beginning, shows up. And we found out that he's basically been walking the earth uh, trying to rectify to, to you know atone for what he did because all the people that died due to his – malfeasance uh so he's got this magic amulet he manages to get a lot of these guys and turn them immobile wonder woman aquaman wake up uh they attack the head creature they lasso wonder woman lassos her they end up basically killing them all turning them back into the wretched husks just at that moment superman sends a message to wonder woman saying he needs help she takes off and aquaman and wonder woman leave to go on separate adventures and then there's kind of a part two of the story which is like not a full second chapter. It's like a backup, but it's mm-hmm. connected to the main story. And it's Wonder Woman and Mira, which Great is idea. really fun, really, really fun. And Wonder Woman has tracked a couple more of these creatures to this tiny little cove. Mira's there to help them out, to help her out. They discover them all, and there are these really icky creatures that are just laying in the dark. And they're not even, these creatures are not even sucking the life out of anybody. They're literally eating people. They're just waiting for people to show up on boats grabbing them and eating them and uh wonder woman tries to strike a deal with the head creature saying something like you know by hey the, by, by the way the head creature is the rachnos from doctor who just putting it out there okay uh she tries to strike a deal saying look you know we understand that you need to eat to survive and we're willing to let you stay here but you have to find a way to feed yourself other than by eating innocent people and the demon is like no no you know we're going to keep doing it that's the end of the deal so wonder woman mirror decide to bring the pain Wonder what Mira finds. Um, a, bring uh, the pain. Bring the pain. <laughs> Wonder Woman finds a. Um, I keep saying Wonder Woman. Mira finds a volcano under the sea. She opens up a sort of tunnel. She sends Wonder Woman down into it, who smashes smashes it open. All the lava comes flying out of the fire. Mira dumps all the creatures into the volcano, burning them all to death. She, using that much effort, has her pass out, and the story ends with the Wonder Woman carting Mira off back to home. And that is the end of the second story and the annual. Um, like I said, not a lot of plot here. I don't care. This was a load of fun. I would love it if, like, you they just did the annuals every year as Aquaman teaming up. 
with different mm. members of the DCU. That would I would love it because he doesn't really get to interact all that much. He's never in Justice League anymore. Uh, he's a member, but I don't think he's ever in the book other than for like two panels. So it's like this would be so much fun to do this once a year of just have him inter- have it be you know Brave and the Bold starring Aquaman. I would love that, and I love that it was Wonder Woman Mira got a solo thing. That was great. I think the Wonder Woman Mira part is actually my favorite. I just. Uh... I, for some reason, maybe because it was just quick in and out, there's something about it. Just I loved it to death. Do you notice the cute little logos at the end of each? There's yes. like an Aquaman and Wonder Woman logo yeah. and then a Wonder Woman and Mera logo. Yeah. I thought that was cool. Mira's little custom M now. Very nice. Yeah. She's got a thing. She's got a thing. <laughs> the uh, the only criticism I would have of the annual was when Dr. Evans showed up with the just the magic answer. Yeah. It's just kind of like everything's going great, and then he shows up with the magic answer, and everything's wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, it's over. I'm he's, like, oh. he's the Stephen Shin of this particular story. Well, yeah, but Stephen Shin didn't, like, end the battle immediately. No, he, no. You know, this guy had the magic device that we had no idea existed. Right. It, it, there's there's terms for it, and it's not uh, the one where the gods come in, but it's one of those terms where you've got a magic device that you couldn't have predicted existed and just wraps up the story. Right. Like, oh. Um, Dr. Uh, Alan Quartermain can tell us all about it. So. Anyway, I, I got one other thing I noticed that made me go, wait a minute. Go to the last page, last two pages of the Aquaman Wonder Woman story. Mm-hmm. When Wonder Woman gets the, the cool floating holographic text uh, message from giant Superman. giant S-Shield. <laughs> yeah. Take a look at that S-Shield. Yeah. You notice anything? You probably don't, but. It, what, no, what? I mean, it's super pointy. Well, it is super pointy, but when they did the new 52... They redesigned Superman's S. Oh, they did. You're right. And this is old school. This is the old S. Oh. Someone in editing didn't catch it. Huh. So or maybe I it was, was on purpose. Like, you can always tell by the little bump at the bottom of the S, and I'm like, wait a minute. Maybe Superman's rebranding. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think they're still working on that. But anyway, fun, fun story. Uh, enjoyed it. I, I love the monster fights. I love the, as you say, the Harryhausen stuff. I love him just battling giant monsters. It's so much fun. You know, the, the lizardy queen. And, you know, it, it had to be a blast to draw, too, because you get to draw all these crazy, you know, a pair of flying lips with wings. And yeah. you get to draw minotaurs and the guy with the giant antlers and you just, all these cool characters, you know, the giant dog. What fun. So, yeah, Wonder Woman and Aquaman are, in a lot of ways, a natural pair. They have sort of similar beats, as it mm-hmm. were, uh, in terms of less so much superheroing and more fighting monsters and stuff. I loved in the second story of Aquaman and Mirror where uh, Wonder Woman is having this guy pilot the boat and she's got him by the neck with her magic lasso. Like, that's right. really nice. It's, it's, I am becoming, uh, I, I couldn't, I couldn't get a beat on the Wonder Woman series, the new one by, um, Azarello and Chang. I love the artwork, but the story just didn't do anything for me. And so after about six months, I gave it up. I know they're starting a new creative team. I, I'm going to give that another shot because, like I said, I like Wonder Woman. I want to like Wonder Woman comics. Mm-hmm. I just don't. But I want to. So every new creative team, I, get, I think I've bought the first two issues of every new Wonder Woman creative team for like a couple of years now. And it just, it just for some reason, it's, maybe I don't like Wonder Woman or something. I don't know. But, like, I saw the photo of the movie, and I'm excited that she's going to be in the movie and everything else. So, and, and But I liked her a lot here. And maybe Jeff Parker should write Wonder Woman. I don't know. I think he did a really good job. I mean, he's clearly very busy here. But uh, I liked her interactions with Aquaman. I liked her interactions with Mira. And I would love to see more of that. Yeah, this personality of Wonder Woman is really good. I hear her portrayal in... 
Superman Wonder Woman is supposed to be pretty good as well. Oh, yeah? Okay. So that might be worth looking at. Um, There is a little joke in here. I think Jeff, I I assume this is Jeff just taking a little stab at something, which I thought was funny. When Aquaman's telling her that they can't butcher the animals, Mm -hmm. the monsters, she says it's a broken jaw, not a neck, which I read that as a nod or a hint or something, whatever, to when she very publicly broke Maxwell Lord's neck. Right. Mm -hmm. And it got broadcast on TV all the time. Hmm. I didn't so, think about that, but yeah, maybe I don't so. know. Maybe so. But fun stuff. Yeah. The, 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 really, this the, is the, the kind of like... designs are really fun. Yeah. And this is the kind of annual you like. You look back on and like you said, there's not a lot of depth to it, but you look back and you're like, that was a fun annual. I yeah. like that. Yeah. And you don't and you don't really need to have read the previous issues. It's nice if you did. Oh, not you didn't at all. have to. And annual, I always feel like annuals should stand alone. I never liked it when the annuals were like you know, part of another multi-part who's he, what's it, you know, it should be just a complete story, and I like that this it was a two-parter, it was a two-part story contained in one book, which I, I think was, it was really fun. Well, I, I will I'll take, get it, not to task, but I will disagree with you on a point there, usually because you're wrong in general, but where you said annual shouldn't be part of a big crossover, I don't like it when all the annuals cross over with each other, however, I do like it if the annual crosses over with the main book, like uh, I think Teen Titans did that, where they had a big annual. You know, it was like everything led to the annual that year. No, I understand. No, I agree with that. Maybe I miss. I maybe misspoke. I, no, no, no. I I have no problem with it, with it being part of the main book. Presumably, you're buying the main book if you're going to buy the annual. Right. But I mean, like, I never liked it when the annual was part of you know a company wide crossover because then it's like, oh great, now I got to buy twenty more books that are more expensive even than the regular book. J L Ape. Yeah. There you go. That's all you got to say. I, I hope that's the plot of uh, the Justice League movie after they're done. I, I think movie. it is. Yeah, it is. that would be great. Uh, okay, finally, I'm zipping through these. I'm really impressed with myself. I'm doing really well. The, Aren't you uh, usually impressed with yourself? I am. I, and I have reason to be. Anyway, this is Aquaman and the Others, number five. Uh, this is Legacy of Gold, part five. Here it's called Conclusion by Dan Jurgens, Land Medina, Alan Martinez, Carlos M. Mangual, and Matt Myla. Uh, when we left, we left. When last we left Aquaman, he was laying there with uh, his wounds from getting the trident in the belly. Legacy is standing over him, basically lording it over and starting his plan up on the moon. Yuara has resuscitated the seemingly previously dead Vostok. Vostok goes nuts, not recognizing his former friend. She tries to fight him off, and then she realizes, hmm, maybe they were hinting at me what to do with this mask. She slaps the mask on him, and that immediately wakes him up to being the Vostok that she remembers. Uh, just as Legacy starts to strangle the life out of the weakened Aquaman, uh, Vostok and Yuara teleport down in a great two-page spread that reminded me a lot of the work of the boys back when they were doing the book. It had those giant, you know, kapow mm. moments. It, it has that feel to it. It's really, it really quite, quite nice. So Vostok starts taking on Legacy. Uh, Yuara and the, the operative want to take Aquaman, who is still laying there unconscious, to a hospital. And uh, Saya says, no, 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 we don't want to do that. We want to take him upstairs. And they're like, what are you, crazy? We're going to take him to the hospital. She says, no, 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 trust me. Let's take him upstairs. So Yuara and Saya drag Aquaman upstairs. She dumps him into the pool of visions, uh, which, of course, wakes him up, which is, of course, it's a pool. I mean, of course it does. He comes up, and he's fully healed. He knocks out. Uh, whatever that girl's name is. I keep blanking on her name at the moment. The the, the sister, n- not Anton. The, oh, Daria. He knocks out Daria. Meanwhile, Legacy is fighting Operative and Man of War. Aquaman shows up long enough to start punching the crap out of Legacy. He then stabs him. It's, 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 it's legend. 
Uh, what, what am I calling? A oh, legacy. legacy. Le- le- legend. Sorry. Leg something. Uh, he then stabs Legend through the chest with the trident, as was revealed on the cover. Thanks for the spoilers on that. It turns <laughs> it turns Legend into a giant pile of dust, and that's the end of that. And we're left with Vostok, and they talk to Vostok, and we find out that the other Vostok was a clone. This is the original Vostok. So the Vostok then is dead. Why? Yeah, the Vostok who's dead supposedly is the clone, and they're like, he's like, no, 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 I'm the original Vostok. Everything's fine. Whatever. They, yeah, they go to the ghost world. And there is Kahina and the clone Vostok, and they're saying, well, now that we have basically fulfilled our missions, we are ready to move on to the next world. They basically go off into heaven or whatever it is you want to call it, and that leaves the others all standing there in a very old-school team shot where everyone gets a word balloon. (laughs) That's my favorite moment of the book is them all standing there in in a line. I love it. And um, it says, next issue, five years later, who will be the last others standing? Future's End. That is the only part of this book I didn't like because I, <laughs> I felt like I, – first of all, I'm not a – I'm really not following Future's End. I read a little bit. It's kind of like, eh, okay. I, I, I liked the others and the fact that, as we mentioned in previous issues, this story is self-contained. You don't have to read anything else to enjoy it, and I didn't want these big crossover books to jump into the others. Partially also because we're just getting to know these characters, and now we're going to do the story where, oh, Lord, they might all be broken up. But someone commented on the Aquaman shrine that the first Aquaman and the Others trade collection has already been solicited, and it collects Aquaman and the Others 1 through 6. Mm. So he, this person who left the comment, is is guessing that if that the sixth issue, the Futures End crossover, will be a one-issue crossover. Because you wouldn't, yeah. you wouldn't start the storyline and then collect it and cut it off in the middle or in the very beginning. So it's probably a one-off Futures End crossover and then a new storyline with the others will start at number seven. And if that's the case, then I'm totally okay with it. You don't know what's going on, do you? What with do you these Futures End things. Every book's doing this. Yeah, I know. Okay. I don't, yeah, I don't mean I like it. <laughs> well, well, the way it's working, yeah, it's all, they're all going to be standalone one-issue things. Um, the way it works is... Is that those holochrome... Is there's going to be some is? stupidness with it. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. But the way the way the story's working, though, is every book's jumping forward five years. And the idea is, rather than I think it all interweaving, telling like one big story, like, you know, Aquaman's and the others has part five of that story or something. It's um, it's going to be, this is what's going on in the Aquaman and the others world, you know, in their lives, in that future. Mm. And it's still supposed to be, as I understand at least, I haven't done all the research, but I believe it's still supposed to be by the normal creative team. So it's still supposed to be Dan and them telling what's going on in these guys' lives in this other future world. So I I think it's supposed to be, in each book, a bit of a standalone story. Okay. I I guess, I just, I don't, I I just feel like we're just at the point where the others are all together as a team, and now we're going to jump ahead five years where everything's going to be all shifted. I'm like, why, you know, but but if it's one issue, that's fine. Because like I said, I want to get, I, I, you know, I want this book to survive. I feel like that doing a second Aquaman title is still kind of a reach. I'm not. I haven't been tracking how well this book has been selling. I mean, obviously, if they're doing a trade collection, it must be doing relatively okay. It's not in danger well, of being canceled yet. They collect everything. Well, still, I'm just saying I haven't heard anything about it being canceled. Obviously, good. So, um, so you know, I just want to see more stories with the others. And this yep. this story hasn't. It, it, it's been a it's been a fun story, but it's been you know it's a long story five months to tell mm-hmm. one story is a long time so it would be nice to have some shorter things to get to have us better acquainted with the individual members um obviously 
Dan Jurgens is pur- purposely shunting Aquaman aside for that reason, because for we had him for three issues just laying there like a bump on a log, <laughs> um, which is fine. I mean, he he saves the day here and everything else, and he gets to deliver the final blow to Legend and stuff like that. So that's good. But uh, I I just want to see, you know to me the the way the others is going to work and the way oh I don't know Guardians of the Galaxy the movie worked is you're introducing these new characters you've got to care for them early if you invest in them early you can tell any kind of story and that's to me going to be the key to the book and I just don't want to see the others get caught up in all of the shenanigans with the crossovers and everything else but like I said if it's one issue fantastic no that's a fair statement you made too and I would say some of the characters I care about like I care about the operative's grandson I care about man of war your favorite or is it prisoner of war prisoner of war you like war. him so much you don't even know his name all right exactly um I care about Yawara. And I sort of care about the operative. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, I, I haven't really made a connection to Sky or Saya right. or I mean, Vostok. They're brand new, yeah. 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 Is, is Vostok going to be like the Superman kind of guy? Is he like super strong or something? I don't even know what his powers are. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure either. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously pretty, a lot of a bruiser more than the other guys. Okay, and, and that's fine. I just, I, I felt like it was, because we never really got to know him before. Yeah. He's sort of like the Vegas power set. So. so I'm assuming by Aquaman sh- you know, stabbing Legend and them getting that little magical triangle or whatever, I'm assuming Legend's not gone. Meaning if they want to use him again, yeah. they, they're able I'm to. I'm sure. Because he was really just a spirit inhabiting that thing. So that's good because, again, Aquaman's rogues gallery needs some beefing yep. up. So that would work. I also like um, in the opening where they show Legend get into that suit of armor and then they immediately show his updated version next to it to show you that there's been a change over the years. Mm-hmm. I thought that was well done. Because I was actually thinking, as that scene was starting off, I was like, man, if he gets put into that steampunk armor back in, like, ancient Greece, <laughs> like, that's a bunch of crap. And then sure enough, I'm like, oh, look at that. No, they're smart. They did this really clever. So he gets new armor every so often, you know. And, and one thing you didn't mention, when Aquaman got thrown in that pool, mm-hmm. they threw him in the pool that had all of the magical artifacts in it. Yes. So what he, when he comes up, he's carrying them all, throwing them to his friends, like, yo, let's do this. Yeah, the bracelets, you know, uh, you know yep. the manacles and stuff, yeah. So that was cool. I dug that. So it was fun. Um, five issues is a little long. So I'm, I'm glad it's behind us. I hope that we get some two-issue and three-issue story arcs. It, that would yes. make me happy. Yeah. Uh, I, it would be fun if they do an other's annual and have a chance mm. to tell individual little stories or have, like, maybe other members of the DCU team up with the others. I know I just said that idea for the Aquaman annual, but I feel like the annual is the great place to bring in more of the DCU. That might be kind of fun. Yeah. So. Did you – um? Did you see the big, like, 18-page multiversity ad in the background? Yes. Captain, oh, my gosh. Captain Carrot. It just kept going. It kept going. It kept going. I'm yeah. like, okay, okay. Yeah, there's a lot of dead space there. <laughs> it it did things. feel very – since it's Morrison, it did feel sort of like his Animal Man, uh, where – well, I won't say it if you guys haven't read Morrison's Animal Man. It ends very specifically, and it's sort of – this sort of reminded me of that, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, look at that. That's a whole lot of watery stuff Look at that. I did that month. in under a half hour. Wow. Pretty good, huh? Well, the Firestorm recap should only take me about 45 minutes. Yeah, perfect. So there we go. Yeah, I gotta, <laughs> always, shows always tilted on Firestorm, no matter what we do. Uh, so, you know why? You know why? Why? Because he's awesome. Okay. So, we're going to take a break. And uh, what you're going to hear now is a couple days ago, some uh, radio DJs, uh, some morning DJ guys, we're talking apparently about the Superman, Batman v Superman, Dawn of the Planet of the Justice was, was filming in their city. What the hell? And um, they were apparently goofing on Aquaman. 
So they get a phone call from somebody named Zack to defend Aquaman. And it turns out that was Zack Snyder who heard the show and was calling in to defend Aquaman. And so this three minutes, what you're going to hear is Zack Snyder on the phone with these guys defending Aquaman. So uh, I didn't necessarily think Aquaman is defending, but I'm very happy that the director of the movie, who doesn't even fully admit that Aquaman is in the movie yet, is uh, so staunchly defending the sinking. So take a listen, and then we'll join us on the other side for the Firestorm review. We go to Zach on a cell phone. Is this Zach <laughs> Snyder? Hello? Hello. Hey, it's Zach, yeah. This is Zach Snyder. The Zach. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm on my way to set right now, and I was listening to you guys on the radio. And I just, you guys were disparaging a little bit Aquaman, just a team. I mean, not, it didn't feel oh, like. Oh, yeah, we were wondering. <laughs> <laughs> we we're questioning uh, who, why who, he's involved, yes. Who he could beat. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not, I, I'm just, I don't want to, like, give anything away about, you know, movie or anything like that. But I just, you know, Aquaman has some cool abilities. You know, that I think people are like, oh, what? I, does he talk to animals? Because that seems like what he does, or fish, or whatever. But I think, you know, the cool thing is, I mean, with Aquaman, you know, he's tried, and, you know, people don't realize that, like, that can actually could cut the flesh of Superman if, you know, they came in contact. That's a thing that's in the canon. Mm-hmm. And he can, he's super strong, because, of course, he can exist at these super deep depths. So when he comes up here, it's like, he's crazy strong. But anyway. Not to say he's in my movie or anything like that, but <laughs> I'm just saying he's... he's uh, but if he was, those were the cool things. He, he has the potential to be badass, that's all I'm saying. And mm. now, is this indeed I would Zach just stay Snyder? out of the water. Yeah, it is. Uh, no, it's me. It's, it's Zach. I called I call the radio. I was like, Zach, I'm going to set. And the guy, who answered, I don't know who it was, was like, okay, hold on. And this I thought, is okay, the I'm, director I'm, I'm, of I'm never, I'm never, They're never going to put me through it. Well, uh, now is this going to be? Uh, are we going to be on your uh, on your radar all the time now while you're in town? I mean, this this is this is appointment listening. We better not talk s about the movie. <laughs> I know, right? Exactly. So, well, you can just assume that 24 hours a day I'm listening to the radio. So oh. if you guys, yeah, want to talk while you're doing me, I'll be the calling movie? in. <laughs> Although I don't want to encourage you to say stuff, so I will call in. That's well, oh, we, we, why don't you ask him the question you were asking earlier? Have you has he had any brushes this summer with Ben Affleck? Yeah, have you, have you seen Ben Affleck at all? He's been around been town, town this summer. <laughs> I have seen him. You know, I, I do I do run into him occasionally. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now, what will it take around. to get Jamie into the movie? We want to get him. Uh, we want to get him on the set. It's a lifelong dream of him. It's on his bucket list to at least be an extra in a movie. I feel like it's not. It, it wouldn't be super difficult to get him in the movie. It seems pretty. I mean, like the guy who called in, who was, uh, I don't know who he is, was like, "I'm in the movie. Well, yeah. I don't know why you're not. You're on the radio. It seems like you should be able to get in the movie." Well, I'm talking it to the director. Seems like you could pull so some strings to get him in the movie. I think you'd have a better chance of getting me in the movie than I would have getting me in the movie. Do you fact, need Jamie to practice screaming if he's going to be a citizen running away yeah, from danger? I, by or? the way, I know you now better in this one second than I knew the guy that called in. Yeah, see, exactly. So it's like my uh, resume. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, just show up on the set, Jamie. Oh, okay. And, yeah. Uh, sure. yeah Zach, just, just, call, let you in. just call over to production and we'll get you in. All right, cool. I'll make that Look call. That. Thanks, Zach. All right. See? Thanks, Zach. Uh, say hi to Ben for us. <laughs> All right. Sure will, guys. So he spends more time talking about the Trident than Aquaman himself. I'm just saying. I, you know, I don't know what to say. I'm just glad. That it, I thought it was funny that he actually yeah. made the effort to do that. That was, that was cool. Yeah. That was very cool. So.
All right, folks, we are here to talk about the nuclear man, or nuclear man, if I can say that right. Uh, before we jump into the book, I just got to mention, have you been following the news on the Flash series that's coming up? How can I not? There's been news every day, practically. I know, and like all of it's about Firestorm. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, is there flashes? I mean, I've seen the pilot, but other like, I feel like after this first episode, Flash steps aside and hands the show over to Firestorm. Reminds me of that line from Jurassic Park. You know, just to paraphrase it, you will have some Flash on your Flash <laughs> TV series, right? Um, so yeah, so far we, we're getting Ronnie Raymond. Professor Martin Stein, and at some point they will become Firestorm. You've got Killer Frost. They, you've, they've confirmed Plastique. And, and now the rumor – well, it's not even so much a rumor. It's supposedly Multiplex is on the show too. Supposedly Multiplex is the villain of episode number two. So this is crazy. And now I, I, it just goes to show – and I'm probably going to repeat this a bunch over the course of the next like year, guys. So you're going to have to bear through this one. But – I've always said Firestorm's rogues gallery, even though it takes a bunch of ribbing, even by Mark Wade himself, Firestorm's rogues gallery is the closest of any other hero to probably like Flash or Spider-Man's rogues gallery. They're very colorful. They're very splashy. They translate well. They've got a tragic aspect to them like Spider-Man's villains do. They work well, even though a lot of people like to pick on them. I, they... I, I can see why they're being used in Flash. Also in Flash, you got to think about it too. They're planning for probably five to seven seasons of that show. And they're like, well, wait a minute. We can't roll out a rogue every week because we're going to be out by the end of the first season. So they're like, well, we got to, you know, I'm sure, and this is all speculation, but, and I'm sure they're like, okay, we got to water other characters in here. And they just, Firestorm became the natural repository of characters to grab. So. Hey. Very, it's very exciting. I would have been, for, as a Firestorm fan, I said that's, that's an exciting yep. thing. I think they're renaming the show Flash, uh, Flash Firestorm Hour of Adventure. I think is what that would mean. be great. Isn't that great? Yeah. You like that title? Yeah. I thought you might. Well, Echoes is something there, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Okay. The Fury of Firestorm, The Nuclear Man, number 13. Cover dated June 1983. Folks, sit your Wayback Machine here to go back and pick this up. Or your DeLorean, your choice. Go back to March 3rd, 1983. That's where you're going to get your pristine copy off the shelf that still smells like newsprint. And, um... It's good stuff. March 3rd, 1983. I was still very sad that MASH had gone off the air. It was only a couple of days after that. Really? Yep. 83? Wow. I, yeah. I, I distinctly remember where I was around those around that time. So. Well, it was like what? The most watched television show ever at that point? Yes, or yes like it was. Yeah. Okay. So, um, Sorry for that diversion. That's okay. I just want to say thanks to Mike's Amazing World of DC Comics, uh, which is where I pulled that date from. So, All right. 23-page story. At a 10,000-foot level, this is a story of our hero who is ravaged by this curse, almost like an infection, that's turning him into this beast, and he's desperate for a cure. And uh, that desperation is set against the backdrop of guerrilla warfare in Kenya. So that's really kind of your snapshot of what the story's about. The cover is uh, a Broderick Giordano beautiful piece. It is Firestorm uh, with this savage dog face, and he is raging up to the sky. There's a wonderfully uh, aggressive logo that says, SPLIT! And you see Martin Stein and Ronnie Raymond trying, like ghostly images behind, trying to pull themselves away from the savage firestorm, and they're clearly in pain and, and, and having a hard time. You can see they're trying to pull away from the fusion. So it's a really effective cover. I, I like it. I thought it was done well. It's a great yeah. cover. So you like this better than last month? Yes, I think this is a. I think this is a beautifully iconic kind of comic book superhero cover. It tells you. It gives you a hint of the story. It's a very dramatic image, beautifully colored. I love the contrasting colors. 
uh, it's great. Cool. And in about 60 months, we will see how to not do this cover. So when we cover oh, the issues boy. in the 70s. I so. can't wait. Yeah, woohoo. All right. Um, issues called Split. This is a Jerry Conway, Pat Brodrick, Roden Rodriguez, Andy, and Adam Kubert, and Gene D'Angelo joint. Uh, both Kubert brothers on this one. That's <laughs> no, pretty amazing. Neither one of them is going anywhere in this business. Every month, folks. I love it. Every month. So, you know what? I just realized went away. You know, when we did these first few issues, we were talking about how it always had the cover credit or the, the interior credit that said Firestorm created by Jerry Conway and oh, Al yeah. Milgram. If somewhere along the lines, a few months back, it went away. Mm. Mm. Maybe DC got a little uppity about it. So, all right. So, um, it's got eight distinct scenes in here. I'll blow through it. As quickly as I'm capable, I am apparently not the speedy master that Rob is. So, But anyway, it starts off, it opens up with Firestorm flying over the veldt of Kenya. He, as I mentioned on the cover, he's transformed into this half-man, half-hyena beast. Still got his Firestorm costume, but he's got this animalistic face, which is just weird looking. So anyway, he's come to Kenya looking for a cure to this curse. And his guidebook is the Diary of Summer Day. So really, this is part four of a story that's been going on for a few months. However, it's written in such a way that it really stands on its own. I think Jerry did a really neat job of that. So as you, as we, if you read this issue by itself, you're perfectly fine. You get everything you need. So Anyway, Firestorm goes off to Kenya. He's decided to search all of the veld, the thousands of square miles of veld, to try and figure out how to cure himself of this curse. Professor Steins kind of says, you're a bit of an idiot. Anyway, uh, Firestorm ends up facing off, facing off against a jet for invading their airspace. Then he takes a meeting with the president of Kenya, because, you know, that's how he rolls. And uh, the president of Kenya it just is more than happy to help Firestorm and directs Firestorm to a particular village where Summer Day had volunteered. Then we have a quick interlude, I call it interlude A, where we find out that Lorraine Riley, somewhat of a love interest, someone, somewhat of a friend, a supporting character of the book, is being held hostage. And uh, someone is trying to do the, well... It's going to turn out to be brainwashing, but it's, uh, you know, the whole in the dark, in the bright light, in the dark, really disorienting her, and you find out she's afraid of the dark, and it's kind of a scary scene. I feel really bad for her. Then we get to interlude B, someone who I don't feel bad for, uh, that <laughs> slut, Clarissa Stein. Oh, my. Like, yeah, as I like to call her, the lilac tilt, uh, sorry, the lilac tinted temptress from now on, if I can remember to from month to month. It's a scene that starts off with Harry Carew and Quentin Quayle arguing about whether it was right to fire Professor Stein. Then Clarissa shows up, who is Professor Stein's ex-wife, and uh, then she sort of acts surprised that, that Professor Stein got fired. And if you read just this issue, you probably feel bad for her. However, if you read last issue, you find out she is the spider manipulating the web of awful things happening to Professor Stein. She's at the heart of it. So really, she's just pl making a play here for Harry Carer. I'm not sure what her ultimate goal is, but I imagine it involves um, a cheap hotel. Anyway, um, then we get back, uh, we get a nice scene with lots of rounded corners of uh, Firestorm reading Summer Day's diary about her time in the Peace Corps and how she, well, in the middle of the night, she found this guy who had been shot with an arrow. So she goes to help him and he turns around and bites her. And that's how she became the hyena. So <laughs> this is really graphic shot of the hyena's chest, the, this other hyena's chest being blown open. <laughs> really bad. Approved anyway. by the Comics Code Authority. Right. So then we come back to modern day. Uh, Firestorm's decided he's going to go seek down this village that the president directed him to, and he gets shot at by a surface-to-air uh, surface missile. Oh, my gosh. But you get a really nice splash of him blowing up the missile with a kind of a silly dog face. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it's, it's a nice explosion, though. 
So Firestorm goes to the village. He goes and lands by the missile launcher and gets knocked unconscious from behind, very Aquaman style, like the Silver Age. Uh, remember when he used to get knocked out all the time? Yes. And he gets knocked out, and he is unconscious and gets dragged off by, it turns out to be a shaman. We get interlude C, the third interlude in this issue. This Jerry is packing the subplots in here, folks. And believe me, it's all going somewhere. Oh, it's so good. So anyway, uh, it's, a, it's a meeting between Principal Hapgood at Ronnie's High School, Ed Raymond, Ronnie's dad, Ed's basketball coach, I'm sorry, Ronnie's basketball coach, Ronnie's girlfriend, Doreen Day, and Jefferson, Ronnie's best friend, and they're talking about Ronnie has gone missing. Well, we know he's missing because he's off in Kenya. They don't know that. And while they're getting going through this, Ed Raymond, Ronnie's dad, is extremely passionate about protecting his son, which uh, a couple of the kids find odd because he's really a dick to Ronnie. Anyway, he blows his lid and yells at the coach and kind of realizes that he's crossed the line. And he kind of has to walk out because he's just too over the edge. And you get a foreshadowing of the principal saying that he um, he wishes he could tell the coach what's going on, but he can't betray that confidence because two lives are at stake. Dun, 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 dun. We cut back. Firestorm has a really creepy dream where he's a full-on hyena and rips open a, you know, some animal and eats it. Ugh. Thankfully, it's a dream. He wakes. Uh, as, when he awakes, he is strapped to... It's not essentially... It's not a cross, but it's like a wooden X. And he's... He's he's really transformed completely. It's kind of funny. His face is the hyena face of the creature, his enemy, the hyena. But he's still in the Firestorm costume. It's not ripped. It's not shredded. It's not even stretched. He's just the hyena head on Firestorm's body. It cracks me up. It's drawn well. It's just funny and sort of ridiculous. So he finds out he's in this village that he was trying to get before. You've got a lot of these Kenyan villagers there in typical tribal costumes talking to this other guy who's dressed in sort of you know, commando outfit. He's got you know, the boots and the knife and the, the cut-off t-shirt and everything. Turns out there are these two brothers. One's the shaman of the village, and one is the brother who leads a bunch of guerrilla soldiers. And they are... Um, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? They don't get along anymore. They are... What, you, what happens? Enemies? Uh, they're not enemies, but they're... When, when, anyway, when you split with a family member... Uh, estranged. That's the word I'm looking for. Thank you. They are estranged. They don't get along anymore. They have very different ideals. The guerrilla warfare guy is all about fighting against the president. The shaman guy is more about taking care of the village. They don't see eye to eye. The guerrilla brother, uh, guerrilla warfare brother, decides to leave. He says, I'm leaving. Screw you and your stupid villagers. Meanwhile, the, the shaman then starts to perform a ritual which will cure Firestorm of this curse. And there's this really wonderful, well, I hesitate to say wonderful because it's really sad, but there's this really powerful two-page thing here where the first part is the shaman casting the ritual, which is going to cure Firestorm. It's these three vertical panels. Meanwhile, the, the guerrilla forces brother is sneaking back into the village with his men. Then you go on to the next page, and the men massacre everyone in the village. It's horrible. But it's so powerfully done. Broderick did a really impressive job on that. And, um, the, guy, the, the shaman completes the ritual right as he's gunned down. So Firestorm is transformed back to normal. He is horrified by what's happened. He loses his temper, blasts a bunch of people, and then um, Jerry ran out of pages. And we have to jump forward to the very end where Ronnie's having a, a verbal confrontation with the president. and basically tells the president that he's a bad dude and he's no better than uh, the people who murder those people in the village. And he transforms in the air and, and puts the president in handcuffs and then... The, and then leaves and has a an anger. Basically, a lot of these issues end with Ronnie upset about something. 
you know, which is kind of good. I, I like how it's, it's a, sends a powerful message to the kids about what's going on here. But he's basically saying, you know, he's pissed off that he got used, that the president used them to get rid of these rebels or capture the guerrillas, whatever. And now he doesn't want to talk about it, and he's upset. And that is how it ends next. Enforcer! So, what do you think? <laughs> this issue is batshit nuts. Um, it just is. It, what? It just is. The the visual of Firestorm as Firestorm with the wolf face right. is something that if you do it for too long, it just gets ridiculous because it's just it's just breaking the goofy meter. And to okay. the point where he's in the office of the president and he's just sitting on the desk <laughs> in his costume with his hair on fire with a wolf face and everyone is just standing there. Everybody's yeah. just like, okay, it's Firestorm with a wolf face. That's all right, they, I guess. They let him in to meet the president face-to-face, too. Yeah, and then he's doing all these mundane things where he's sitting at the base of the tree reading Summer Day's Journal with a wolf face. And <laughs> it's just – it's, and I don't mean it and I don't mean it like it's bad. I, I, this is meant to be pulpy comic book melodrama, and Jerry is clearly enjoying himself doing this ridiculous stuff. But this is like – this is him pushing it to its f- sort of furthest level of just having Firestorm s- for so long. I mean, he's he's got the wolf face for twenty one pages of a twenty three page story. Well, it's keep in mind this is also like the second issue of it too. Yeah, it's just it, it's just I just couldn't help but giggle every time I saw him just standing there talking to somebody in his wolf face. And what did he sound like with his wolf face? Did he sound normal or does, <laughs> did he sound like a wolf? Was he like because you know wolves are, so it's like it just it just made me laugh every time I saw it it just really did I mean Broderick does great work um that scene where he dreams about killing the deer it makes me think that um Jerry had not that long recently seen American Werewolf in London because there's an exact same scene like that from that movie uh... where David Naughton's character has a dream that he's a wolf and he's out there naked and he chases a wolf and basically rips its throat out with his teeth and then he wakes up. So it's like that's a very similar scene. Um, but there were a you lot may, of you, – You may be onto something though because a lot of great comics – would take their direction from popular movies at the time. Yeah, sure. I mean, why not? I mean, there were a lot of werewolf movies out around this time. There was The Howling. There was Wolfen, American Werewolf in London. So, I mean, it was kind of more in the air than it had been previously. Um, but it just it, – I, I, and there's just something about mixing it in with the sort of African setting. It just made me laugh. It just – the whole yeah. thing just made me laugh. But again, I don't mean it in a bad way. It's just – it's this book is meant to be fun and light and pulpy – comic book superhero melodrama and that's exactly what it is well when he turned into the full hyena in his dream and, and killed the deer or whatever it is if firestorm had looked like that the whole issue it wouldn't have been as quite as ridiculous because his costume is pretty shredded and you can see all the fur on the whole body which is yeah i guess so yeah a little more viable but still um you mentioned Bro- it, it, you know it is goofy but broderick still does a really good job drawing like he's really good with animals mm-hmm. um the mm-hmm. deer the wolf face there's a great scene where firestorm is struggling to split apart in the beginning on page two where he, he's his back is arched he's on a um a coastline. bunny rabbits there the bunny rabbits they're adorable <laughs> they're just watching him these two cute little bunny rabbits i mean he, i like the way broderick does little things like that then uh let's see what else other stuff i want to talk about i love firestorm's face when he's uh, on the jet yeah he's like listen phil i've got a bone to pick with you and he's snarling and it's, yeah. it's absolutely terrifying the guy's like yeah monsters they're like yeah i would think so too it's it's he he pulls off this ridiculous concept as well as possible. He really does. 
Well, I think I think it'd be funnier now that you've said that. Where you know, if he put his face through the plane and he's just like, rah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is hysterical. So, um, there's a lot of cool panel design in this. Like he's got on page two, it's a bunch of vertical panels. Page four, it's a bunch of horizontal panels. He does a lot of that in it, this issue. And then even like the dreamlike ones or the flashbacks have really kind of weird panel designs, like offset and little parts poking out and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I just I think he he he's always aware of how to lay out the page really well and, uh, and tell the story and make it open up properly. And I always like that. Now I thought of this, I didn't realize this until I was, uh, got along where, where Firestorm's on the big X and he's, like you said, his face is the full hyena. Why didn't he have like a flaming mane of hair? Yeah, I don't know. Like the fire's gone. So I guess he, without that helmet, he doesn't have the thing. I don't know. No, he, he totally does. So he, 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 like his mane should have been on fire. I think <laughs> missed opportunity. That's all. <laughs> So, although they did make sure that uh, the hyena creature had Firestorm's black circles around his eyes. Yes, which, you know, they did. He still, yeah. Uh, still has I that. love that on page 19. I was like, woohoo! So, um, great issue. Lots of fun. Uh, I love that it stood on its own. Because, you know, a four-issue story arc, especially back then, is a long time. Mm-hmm. So, in order to do three and one, I thought that was pretty smart. It, it does a good job standing on its own. And again, Jerry's always really good about telling a story where like something tragic happens and it really affects Ronnie the way, the way it would a teenager, you know? And it's, uh, I, th- I thought it was really good. So cool stuff. Also worth mentioning, uh, when you get to the letters page, I don't know if you took a look at that or not. No, I haven't. Okay. Um, they, they tell you straight up here that they're starting a large storyline, which starts with next issue. Fury Firestorm number 14, we'll go through issue 18, and then into annual number one. Now, for those of you who don't like annuals tying into big stories, ask, uh, <laughs> then you may not like this. <laughs> but, uh, this is, coming up is my favorite Firestorm arc from the classic series, coming up. Issues 14 to 18 in the annual. I can't wait. I'm so excited. All the interludes this issue are all leading to that. Must be Slipknot. Uh, shh, don't tell. <laughs> but he does, uh, Jerry does here in the letters page, he says, all right, you know, he says, uh, write down all these terms, folks, for future reference. And it's all like hints at what's going to happen here. But instead of having Firehawk in here, it says Firebird. I wonder if early on his intention was for the Firehawk character to be called Firebird. Hmm. Uh, that seems like a reasonable expectation. It's got me wondering, Ken. I mean, this is like that's like a big, you know, find for a nerd like me. So I was like, oh my gosh, very exciting stuff. Can't wait to get into next issue and the, and the next you know, six issues, really. And uh, cool, good stuff. Now I, I gotta tell you, when I cracked this thing open, I didn't remember a damn thing about it. Hmm. In fact, last month I even said, I think they split pretty early in the issue. <laughs> no. pretty, I think it you know, happens pretty quick. I, I lit, I'm reading this comic, going, I don't remember any of this. <laughs> I'm like, it was kind of exciting reading a classic Firestorm comic and not knowing what's going to happen next, other than he's going to get cured. <laughs> I'm like, huh, I don't know what this is going at all. I have some movies like that that I've seen, and I literally don't remember anything about them. <laughs> I'm like, have I technically seen it then? I mean, I guess I have, but I have no memory of it at all. Right, right. Well, all right, four comics in the bag right there, man. Done. That's a show. There it is. <laughs> I've oh. declared it so. <laughs> <laughs> And let it be. Well, folks, uh, Rob, why don't you tell them the Tumblr where they can go out and find a couple of images from these issues? Fire and Water Podcast, thetumblr.com, and the email is firewaterpodcast at comcast.net. 
Definitely drop us an email, folks. Uh, please remember, as I mentioned last episode, if you've got a blog or a website or a podcast or something that you're producing that's superhero-related, email that to us. We've got a review episode coming up. I'm not a review. A uh, feedback episode coming big up. Big feedback episode. Yep. We're going to catch up. We're months behind, and uh, we got a lot of great stuff from you folks. But I want to be sure to give everybody credit uh, that's involved in this show, that listens to this show, that's a listener, a nuclear sub, that you know gives us feedback. If you've got a piece of superhero something out there you produce, let us know what it is. We will say it on the air because I love it when you guys get a chance to find each other. You'll see people tweeting back and forth like their sites and stuff that are part of the show. I love it. It's fantastic. It just builds the community, and it makes us that much of a, a big family. So you can find Rob over at the Aquamanshrine.net. You can also find him on Facebook and Twitter. And rumor has it, I read it on a bathroom wall, that he might be on Google Plus. Dude, I'm so. like on Google Plus like virtually every day posting things. So whatever. So um, and you can find Firestorm Fan at Firestormfan.com. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Google Plus, and Instagram. So with that, I think all we got left is uh, fan the flame and ride the wave. Aquaman and Firestorm fighting crime together. Soak them down or burn them up. No one does it better. Whenever you find trouble, they'll always be there to catch them in a bubble or even torch their hair. Stand for truth and justice and see on land and air. Firestorm and Aquaman, they make a super pair. Aquaman. Super friends forever. Yeah. You're not real. I don't be a putz, David. Come here. A nurse, huh? Come on. What are you doing here? I wanted to see you. David, put that down. Okay, you've seen me now. Go away. I'm sorry I'm upsetting you, David, but you don't understand what's going on. I understand, all right. You're one of the undead, and I'm a werewolf. Yes, that's right.